This is Will Smith from Artificial Brain. This is Morgan Weller from Lestravi. This is Scott from Forecus. This is Nora from Battle Beast. This is Jarvis Leatherby from the band Night Demon. You're listening to the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Keep it happening. Podcast returns with another metal artist interview. Today we have Ben from Black and Death Metalers Goat War back on the mic. Ben, we're so pleased to have you back on the Great Metal Debate. Hell yeah, man. Quite pleased to be here. So we're here in Louisville where Goat War is on their final night touring with the guys in Amana Marth. How has the experience been touring the U.S. with Vikings? It's been good. It actually hasn't been our first experience. This is like the fourth time we've toured with them, actually. Wow. The first time was in, like, I think it was around 2003. There was this tour. It was called The Art of Noise, but it was the second one of it. It's called Art of Noise 2. And it was Nile, I'm pretty sure it was Nile Creator, Vader, Amonomarth, and us. It was like, it was us, and Amonomarth was second. So, you know, through the years, watching Amonomarth kind of grow, grow, grow. And I remember that lineup now. I'd forgotten that Amonomarth and you were both on it, but I remember that was a good lineup. Yeah, the, yeah. the first two bands usually nobody remembers because they get there later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but we did that, and then we did Sounds of the Underground one year, and Amonomarth was on it. And then we did a tour, and it was Skeleton Witch, Us, and Amonomarth. And now yes. we have this. We were kind of discussing it the other day, actually, us and the guys in Amonomarth. So we're like, yeah, I remember the first time? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have some background with the Vikings. Nice to be on tour with people you're familiar with. It's always good because everybody knows. I mean, you know, we all sort I guess, you know, used to each other. We all kind of know. They know what to expect from us in general. <laughs> so everything kind of runs smoothly. And, and not just that. Their crew, all of them, they're really good guys, you know. So there's no, there's no reason for shit to be whacked, you know. I mean, I don't think any... I think in the in the last whatever over twenty years I've been on tour, there's only really been one tour that I'm, I've been kind of like eh, is like cringeworthy. But other than that, all the bands usually get along really well. Even if you're not even even like you're touring and you're touring with a band that you're really not into musically, usually members still get along in some sort sort, sort of way. So the stereotype of bands clashing behind the scenes yeah, is it is it the norm? They have that, but I, we've never really clashed much. Like I said, it was one tour. It wasn't a clash, but it was just kind of cringeworthy in a sense. Tonight we're here at Mercury Ballroom. I know you guys have been through Louisville a number of times. Is this the first time you played Mercury? Yeah, this is the first time we've been at this venue. It's pretty fucking nice, I have to say. <laughs> we, a lot of the venues we played on this tour were pretty much our first time playing them. So, I mean, because we play usually smaller places, you know, different little things. What's the uh, the Haymaker Whiskey Bar? Yes. We played behind there last time. We were out here, too. And uh, different little places. That uh, Expo, I remember when we played Expo there. Five. Yeah. We played out there. Used to play like at a flea market over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to play like Uncle Pleasant's and you know all kinds of different fucking little places. You sound like a local calling out all those names, yeah. man. That's amazing. We remember them all, man. We, we did so many tours. We we played uh, Uncle Pleasant's with Exodus. Actually, that was pretty fucking crazy back in the day. So, well, I understand you'll be playing to a sold out hall tonight. Having seen you play before, I know you guys are going to give the same performance whether you're performing in front of 2,500 people or just 25 people, but does it still give you that extra little rush when you step out and it's a full hall? Well, yeah, definitely. There's, I mean, it's always a big thing when there's more people, but 
like you said, we will. We, 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 even if there's 25 people, we still put all into it, no matter what. Because you don't want to, just because there's only 25 people at the show, you don't want to just give them like half the amount you would give a, a full audience, you know, because they're, they're going to leave and they're going to go talk about it. And if you give half ass about it, then they're going to talk about it, you know. And yeah, it might only be 25 people, but still, you want them leaving just as happy as 2,500 people. So we, it's it's definitely exhilarating when you go out there and the people are pumped and they're fucking ready. Especially like this, I like this tour too because, I mean, it's the fact it's only two bands, it's us and them. Where sometimes you have these tours and it's five bands. And usually by like the third and fourth band, the crowd's trying to starting to get a little tired. They got just too many bands. So then when the headliner goes on, it's not that much there anymore for the headliner because they had to go through all these fucking bands. And it's really cool that it's just us and them doing this you know they give they give an hour between doors and when we start every single night so there's enough time to get tons of fucking people in there and all the shows have been packed and it's, it's been fucking awesome and the feedback's been fucking great and there's a lot of people we're playing in front of that we've never played in front of before or have never heard of us before given your old experience that's a great thing to have access yeah, yeah, to new yeah. folks you know like people would say well okay y'all been doing it for like 20 years you have your seventh record coming out and people still don't know. Yeah, I mean, the metal scene's pretty vast, and, you know, it's got a lot of different things going on. And there's a lot, of, I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming out constantly. You know, people can't afford to keep up with every single fucking release that comes out, you know? So it's it's unique. Like, every night, I, I kind of on stage, I, I ask, I go, how many people's first time either seeing us or hearing us, you know? And, like, tons of hands go up, and it's that's awesome i think it creates something you know where some people would be like well damn we've done this for 20 years and this is what it's like but it's not it just goes to show you that there's still always more work and always stuff to be doing to keep things moving along and get people to know about what you're doing you're seeing that the glass half half full not half empty man i always think the glass is half full even when i'm drinking whiskey i think it's half full Well, man, last time we spoke was almost two years ago in Nashville, about a year after the release of Constricting Rage of the Merciless. And when I asked you how things have been going, you said very, very busy. Have you had some time, especially back in 2016, to relax and unwind just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we were focusing on the record, but it's different when you're home and you're working on stuff and you're getting all the ideas together and things like that. We don't really... When the record comes out and then we have that relentless touring cycle that we usually do, we don't really focus too much on writing. I mean, we'll, we'll have little things here and there. Everybody will kind of throw ideas around, but we really don't get into the grid of it until we have some open terrain where we're not touring to sit down with each other. Like, first we get a break from each other, like a couple of weeks, and then we're like, all right, and we come back together, and then we start throwing around all these ideas and everything. Sammy starts sending riffs out to everybody, and we start, you know, discussing things and how... Because, you know, Zach lives in Phoenix, so Sammy and Zach will kind of swap ideas and stuff like that. And they have, you know, thankfully, since, you know, modern technologies in play, they both have like a, a studio program on a computer and they can kind of sort that out. So then when Zach comes into town, we're kind of like ahead of the game. So you're not sitting there like sifting through ribs, trying to sort out how things are going to lay out. So, but uh, definitely last year was, it was a little slower in that fact. I mean, we were still busy working on material, but it's different when you are home and you're working on it and you can go home afterwards and do what you have to do you know and then go to the room and then go back home instead of being on a tour and be like van venue van venue van venue for the whole time so yeah does it take a while to get out of that van venue uh process i mean does it take a while to unwind or when i get home it takes i think i mean now since i'm getting a little older now it gives me like i i have a job when i'm at home so 
sometimes I go back into it like a couple of days after I get back home, but it takes me like a week because of the time difference, like changing, like this is all late night shit. You know, you're finished with all of this stuff at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., you know, depending. And then when I'm at home, it's like you're getting up at 6 a.m. and you're going to work at like 8 or something like, you know. That's like the complete opposite schedule. Yeah, yeah. You have to flip it. So before I, I used to do it and it was, I mean, when I was younger, it didn't. Uh, it was like nothing. But I noticed as I got a little older, I was like, oh, yeah, it takes me a few more days, a few more days. And now it's about like five days or so. And then I get back in the grain of it, you know. So it's there's a little shift there. I mean, it's, it's expected. Well, let's talk a bit about the new album, Vengeful Ascension, due out June 23rd. How long has the material for that been in development? Um, It's ever since, you know, we finished. Actually, there was a, there's a song on there that was being put together and written while we were doing constricting rage in the studio so yeah because like sometimes you know when you're in the studio you wait for your your turn in a sense so it's like when it starts the big focus is the drums and the guitars is doing a scratch track guitar with the drums to get all the drums locked into place and then after that the guitar all the guitars are done and then the bass is done and then you go to the vocals so there's downtimes for certain members, depending on what's going on. So Sammy gets to a point, and he's got downtime, so he sits on that computer with his guitar plugged into it, and he starts throwing some ideas together. So there was actually a song that's on the new record that was being put together while he was in the studio when we were doing Constricting Rage of the Merciless. But also, when we write stuff, we, we, we have never thrown any riffs away. All the way back from the fucking first demo, Serenade to the Tides of Blood, all the way back from the Eclipse of Ages into Black, the first CD. We still have riffs. They didn't quite fit, but we didn't toss them because the element of them somewhere else down the line might fit. And we've come to it numerous times where we're working on a song. All the riffs are brand new riffs, but for some reason, somewhere in the middle or somewhere near the end, things, you know, the cohesiveness doesn't flow properly and then we find this old riff and it like just falls into place like a puzzle piece putting a whole thing together and it just fits so we don't throw anything away so the element of writing goes all the way back you know 20 years or so because it's pieces that we'll use later on down the line some songs are written right there you know two days it's all new riffs things like that some songs take a couple of weeks some songs have pieces and parts of all these songs that we we might have wrote and we didn't like how it came out in the end, so we tore it apart and took pieces from it. So it's a variation through time in general. Someone listening to your whole catalog is actually kind of picking up things through time as yeah, they hear yeah, those yeah. songs. That's, I mean, it's it's an like I guess some people might think that like a riff, if you never used it when you were writing, that it's completely dead. But we found that it can come back around and it can make something, you know? I mean... To me, riffs are fucking timeless. I mean, look at a lot of the old heavy metal releases. They got some songs, you know, that today they still stand up against modern stuff, you know. So a, a riff can change a whole fucking thing in a song and how it makes it go together or how it begins or how it ends. So it's really important. So we've never thrown anything away. He, Sammy used to have all these tapes because we do anything on our little jam box, you know. But yeah, it's, we're old, so we used to do that. Jam box. So then we had all these tapes, and then we're like, you know, then everything started to be a little bit more modern, computers, little, you know, little uh, studio programs and stuff. And we're like, we need to transfer all of these into a computer so we can have them, so we can look at them in a better way in like a, like a, a grid so we can kind of lay them out and see how things are. 
so I remember me and Sammy got together and we, you know, we would, we would listen to the tape and he goes, okay, I remember this one. I remember this one. It could be 10 year old riff, but he's like, okay, yeah. And so, and we were recorded into the computer. So we didn't have to go back through the tapes because we used to sit in a room and we would call it fishing for riffs. And we just let play the tape and it'd be a riff. And then you hear like the stop and then record again, another riff. I'm like, oh, okay, take that riff. And let's take this other riff. I heard six riffs back. And let's see what they do. So, you know, we've evolved in that whole sense of writing. Thank goodness for technology. You don't have to do yeah, that anymore. Well, well the writing process, it, I think it makes the writing process a hell of a lot easier. And then also because, you know, some members don't live in New Orleans, it's easier to sort things out because then you can send stuff back and forth. You know, Zach has a kit in Phoenix and he has a kit in New Orleans. So when he goes there, his kit's all mic'd up into this little software and he can put drums over it and then send it back to Sammy. And Sammy will be like, oh, shit, well, I can do this different with the, you know, so it helps. So, like I said, when Zach comes in, we're ahead of the game and we're not sitting there going through stuff. We're already at a point and we can kind of move faster with it. So Now, Ben, you've expressed before that maybe the intensity of the band in the live setting hasn't always translated to your records. Did you try anything different this time around to try to catch more of that live feel on this album? Well, we had our live engineer involved this time. You know, we, we I mean, we just, we took a whole route different completely. We didn't use Eric Rutan this time, and there was no, there was no bad blood between us. We just all decided, each member had their own little thing they wanted to do, and they wanted to do it a little different. So, you know, we were kind of trying to weigh it out, like, well, maybe we go to Eric Rutan and do these elements, and then we go to this other studio and do these elements. But then you start getting in a financial things and how much money you have to spend and what you can do and so we just you know we sorted it out with our sound engineer i mean he's he doesn't just do live sound he's done records too he's done he did the last 1349 record he did the last two gruesome releases you know he's doing the new exhum record right now i know he's going to be doing the new wolfhammer coming up so he's he's got experience in the studio he's had experience in the studio he wasn't just like oh i'm just this live engineer you know but he has that skill, and he knows that element of what we sound like in the live set. Now, I don't feel like we'll ever be able to duplicate our live thing because that's an experience on its own. When fans come to see you play and you play in front of fans and the impact of that experience, you won't duplicate that unless you invite all your fans in the fucking studio and you play right there and record it on the <laughs> spot. But, but someone like Jared knows the sound on a live setting and he can kind of manipulate and put that into the recording so we have more of a closer aspect of what we are as a live band it was a know? conscious effort this time around yeah, no it was i mean every time it's been a conscious effort but this time it seems like more so and then even having jared involved i mean he was you know he stepped up to the plate in a lot of different ways you know he did a lot of different things and i mean he didn't even mix it we had chris common mix it it's a guy in el paso and he's He's not. He doesn't really do like metal records and stuff. He did like Pelican, Chelsea Wolf, different re weird things. But we tried like three different mix, uh, people to mix, and we gave them all the same song, and then we picked the one we liked the best and went with that guy. But Jared went to the studio with him and was kind of there to kind of guide the effort, knowing what we were trying to do. So Jared was involved a lot during the whole experience. But so he did the tracking and everything when we were at the studio in Tolono, Illinois. And um, that studio, by the way, is awesome, Earth Analog. I definitely want to let people know that place is great. And um, it's actually owned by, you ever heard a band called Hum? It was like back in the day, they were kind of a little popular. Little, well, 
the guy Matt from Hum owns the studio and everything. It's this little small town, like about 20 minutes south of Champaign, Illinois. But it's it's awesome, and we did it on reel to reel, which is rare too, and which is kind of complicated. It makes things makes days longer <laughs> because it's always like this, like it's like holding a whole old car, you know. Some days it's fucking working golden, and some days it's giving you fucking mad issues, you know. But you love it, you don't want to get rid of it. So we did that, and then like I said, then we sent everything to Chris Common in El Paso, and Jarrett went out there for a few days to kind of guide him, and then he left and then let him finish it up, and then once everything was set with that, we had it mastered by Mayor Applebaum, who's done like Judas Priest and some other people. Just We just went a whole different route this time, and I think, you know, it's it's hit or miss, you know? We did a lot of really good stuff with Rutan, and sometimes you're almost like, I guess you fall in a comfort zone, and you don't want to step by because you're afraid the direction might shift too much, but I think sometimes you need to take that step. You need to take that little, I get leap of faith in a sort of sense, you know, and just go with it. And it seemed, everybody seemed comfortable with it. And everybody wanted to do something a little different on each of their parts. So we just went that route. And I think it worked out really fucking well. And I think, you know, Jared did a great job. He was, I mean, he was involved so much. It was really fucking cool how much he was involved in his, like, impact. Like, I remember doing the vocals and he would stop and he'd come into the room and he goes, remember when you're, when you're playing live? And you're like this. He goes, I understand there ain't people in here, but get in that fucking mindset, you know? So he would he would put you. It was almost like your dad, like, yelling at you about some shit, you know, like a chore you had to do on the weekend. <laughs> well, man, I've only heard the title track you guys have released. That is a video. To my ears, the, the track really emphasizes the melodic elements that I think have always been there in the Goat Her sound, but but sometimes the extreme elements, you, you don't pick up on it. Is that a fair take on that no, track? Definitely. Well, I think what's what's cool about it is it it's very unique, and it's more kind of, if you listen to it, it's more like more classical kind of metal stuff, you know, more like earlier metal. And the cool thing, too, is it doesn't represent the entire album. I think every song on the album kind of has its own little element on the album like they're going to release like three songs all the way up to the release date when the next song drops you're going to see a difference from that and the song vengeful ascension you know and then when they release the next one you'll see the difference so there's a variation but we've always had a sort of variation in like the stuff that we write and the things because we're really influenced by a lot of variations within extreme metal and heavy metal in general but you'll see that you know it's definitely definitely that track doesn't represent the album entirely it represents that little part of the record so it's it's a good part i really enjoy yeah, it i mean I, I think it's great and we've been playing it live on this tour because we were like when it dropped we we're like holy shit well we're gonna be on this tour maybe we should play it live you know so we we practiced it like like nine times a day every day until we fucking left for the tour because we were like well we need to get it down because we hadn't been playing it because we were doing like a, we did the metal blade tour and we were playing older stuff and so we we're like and that's what we're gonna do uh, i think they're gonna drop another song and like a week or so or something like that i'm not too fully sure but we're gonna try to do that song on the next run that we're doing in june we're doing like a little west coast kind of run for about three weeks with uh ancients from vancouver and um i will probably add that song into the set as well ben i'm a big fan of album art and the artwork for vengeful ascension is maybe your strongest ever in, in my opinion you guys work with jordan barlow can you describe how you all like communicate to him the trying to get that visual element that it's, represents yeah, the music. Uh, well, actually, you know, he's really good at like when for the last like three records that we did with him, you know, because we he did Blood for the Master, he did Constricting, and he did the new one, and it's all different. Like the 
Blood for the Master and Constricting were more like woodcut kind of based art, really like solid black and white images and stuff like that, where this one's a lot more depth and detail. But that just goes to show you like Jordan's ability as an artist and the, the eclectic style he has to do so many different variations. But he actually said it too when we're before we ever did this record. He was like, on the next record, what do you guys think about doing something a little different? More of like maybe like an ink wash type picture or something that something with shading something a little bit more depth to it and so we we're like yeah and then you know me and sammy sat down with him because we just kind of relay our ideas and we do little rough sketches and stuff like that and kind of explain stuff and then we just kind of let him take off and then he just he'll get in touch with us every few days or every week or other week and he'll be like so what do you think about this and what are your thoughts on this while he's working on it this i think that piece took him like 40 hours maybe 50 hours and it's 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 actually three feet tall and about two feet wide the whole entire piece of it i don't know if you've seen the entire like probably not no i've just i've, okay, seen, I've seen that our, our cover yeah. Yeah. is only like a quarter of the entire piece are we seeing some of the rest of it in the background in the video yeah it kind of yeah but mm. There's a lot to it. It's a lot to it. And it speaks for the title, too. You know, it's definitely intertwined with the title and everything like that, and the whole aspect of the record. But once the record comes out and people see it and you fold it all out, because, like, I know the CD, the whole thing folds out to the entire picture. And then on the re- and on the record, on the vinyl, there's a poster in it of the whole thing that folds out as well. So, they, you know, you'll, you'll see that aspect. But it's cool be- because when we were doing it, we were like, we were like, fuck, there's a lot of detail in it. We didn't want to squash it down on a CD cover. And then we're like, well, we just make a piece of it that's interesting. But then when it unfolds, it's like it tells this fucking entire story. But, yeah, he did. It was amazing, the work he did on it, man. And uh, it's funny. I, I have a, uh, I used to work at a frame shop. And right now the piece is at my house because I need to get some time and put it in a frame for him. Because he was like, he keeps he keeps all the original stuff. So we're going to get it in a frame form and everything. So he has it. But it's sweet. It's definitely sweet. When you see the real thing in person, it's just like, holy fuck. You know, like people are looking and they're like, holy shit. There's like little people climbing up the inside of that. And it's like, yeah, dude, it's like a lot of depth to it, you know. Very careful. People are going to be coming by your house trying to find it. The thing is, is, you know, we don't just say, yeah, Jordan, do this. I mean, he wants descriptive shit. So we have to go and, and add. And then, like, I'll give him descriptive stuff. And he goes, well, okay, I need a little bit more. And you think you've given him a lot, but, you know, you give him some more and some more. But that's what's, like, the catalyst to get him to go further. Because the more descriptive stuff and the more element to it, when you discuss it with him, he just his mind just takes off into it and just goes further. Well, Ben, starting to wrap up with you, you've already mentioned the tour in June with Ancients. And I know after a little respite from Amon Amarth, you guys are going to do Fort Worth Metal Fest. What's do you have any other plans for 2017 past that? Uh, yeah, I mean we got stuff that's going to happen later this year. Uh, we we have a tour that we're going to do in September, but we can't reveal the details in it. But it will be pretty much all of September and pretty much all of North America, and uh, it's really fucking cool. But we can't. We're opening. We're supporting someone on a higher level, but it's it's a really cool fucking tour. So, and then we're working on things for Europe for later in the year, and I'm sure everything will unfold and keep going into 2018 as well. I'm sure we got like a good two years of you know being back out on the road again after all this. You'll you'll be out with Ancients when the album drops. Yeah, yeah, we'll be out with Ancients when that happens. 
there'll be some good shows to catch. Finally, Ben, how can fans learn more about Goat Whore and where can they go to purchase music and merchandise, in particular, you, the new album about to come out, Vengeful Ascension? Let's see. The internet has got so much shit on it. So. <laughs> can they pre-order? Yeah, you can pre-order. You can. Uh, they got pre-order bundles and stuff like that. If you go to goatwhore.net, that's like our basic site, and we just all that is is just like links to like merchandise, to web stores, to tour dates, to social media. So it's just basically like the portal, and then you go there, and it's got all the links for everything else that you pretty much need to know. But I think Metal Blade has a part of their site. It's metalblade.com slash goat whore. I'm pretty sure. There's a band link and it'll take yeah, you right. And it's, and it's to a little thing to do to check out all the different variations of pre orders. Like we have this bundle and it has like this like spell book thing with a candle and the vinyl colors are fucking really cool. So yeah, we got some cool things in there. So people want to spend money, they can do it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of places to spend the money, man. But uh, from what I saw, a lot of the things like some I know one of the colors of the vinyl sold out already. So there's a lot of different stuff going on. So things are going pretty quick. And like actually on this tour, we're selling a, a shirt. It comes with a laminate. And I mean, after this tour, it's done. We had it on the Metal Blade tour. We sold it when we were at home online. And now we had it out on this tour, and it was an exclusive shirt that we just did of some of the art. And it can't, and it comes with the lam. It was it was like twenty five dollars, and you got the shirt and the laminate. And the laminate has a code, and you go to the Metal Blade site, you put in your address and the code, and they ship you the CD a week before it comes out. You know, so tonight's the last night, pretty much for that. So it's like it's like a little different exclusive thing, and the shirt you won't be able to get ever again after that you guys give some incentives sometimes though for folks yeah, I mean, yeah. we grew up in an era where there was a lot of limited really cool shit you know shit that some of us got some of it was we didn't get you know that we wish we got so you know people dig that stuff when they have unique things like that you know and it's i think too it's a it's like a bonus for people that you know go out of their way and they come out to the shows and they support shit so well ben I'm never disappointed when I come out to see you guys. I know I won't be disappointed tonight. Looking forward to you guys destroying on stage. And uh, best of luck going forward. Awesome. Thank you very much, man.